Hey, Rocky Road family. Welcome back. I'm Kristen. I'm Mandy. And we are here with another guest this episode. But before we start, I want to remind you that we have so many ways that you can get in touch with us. We have our Instagram, The Rocky Road Pod. We have a Gmail address, therockyroadpod at gmail.com. Send us in some stories, some ideas, a reaction, um, questions about the episode. We just want to hear from you. So enough from me. I want to introduce our guest. We have our new friend, Kevin. And hi, Kevin. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. No better way to spend Friday night with two other wonderful podcasters. Wonderful. We're happy you're here. Um, The first thing I want to hear from you is give us a quick little five-minute bio. Who are you? What are you about? Where'd you come from? Oh man, five minutes. Okay, I've been practicing my whole my whole life for this. So, I uh, I come from very humble beginnings. I was raised in a, a household um, by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27, and wow. that's definitely something that was a large chip on my shoulder that helped me accomplish a lot that I did, but also came back to bite me in the butt when I didn't understand myself at all and why I was acting the way I was acting. Mm. So. The, the biggest part of my story and the reason I do what I do now at the capacity I do now, when I was in my mid-20s, I was quote-unquote successful. I had a high-paying job. My girlfriend was a model. I had a sports car, the body of my dreams because I had just done a bodybuilding show, but I was pretty miserable. All things considered, I might have had a lot of things. I might have had a lot of possessions, but I didn't like who I was. I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't happy. I wasn't aligned and I didn't believe I had a brighter future. Mm-hmm. My, my girlfriend ended up leaving me because I was kind of a shell of myself. I wasn't a great partner and she did the right thing. I'm very glad she did. She went on to chase her dreams as she should have. But when she left me, I said, who is going to love this version of Kevin? Mm-hmm. Who is going to love this broken, bruised version of Kevin? Now, that's a great uh, introspective question to ask. The problem is I didn't follow up on that. So I said, no, you know what it is? I need to make more money. That's it. Yep. That's exactly what it is. I need more money. That's exactly what I need. More money, more things. So the next year I got a promotion at my job and I was in the weatherization. Um, that was my job. I did weatherization and all weatherization means is you go into a building and you make it more energy efficient. That was my job in a nutshell. I worked for the state because we used to work in schools. So I made anywhere from 60 to $120 an hour. Now I'm over the moon. Give me the money. I'm all for it. So the year after my girlfriend left me, I got promoted uh, to a foreman at that company I was working for. And that means I start every job, I run the job, and I close out the job. So I'm basically working as many hours as humanly possible. The interesting thing about my company is we did the majority of our work on the road. So Kristen, you said you live in uh, Pennsylvania. We did work in Pennsylvania. I did work in Virginia, Delaware, but most of our work was in New Jersey. And I lived in New Hampshire at the time. So that was like six hours away. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to the end of the year, made $100,000. Awesome. Didn't change the way I felt. And I said, well, for most of my life, especially this year, I've lived unconsciously. What's the opposite of unconscious? Hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast. That's where all this started for me. The problem is I stopped caring about my job. I stopped caring about the money and I didn't want to do it anymore. I accomplished my goal and I was not willing to sacrifice my life like I was before. So I started calling out of work. I'd show up late. I'd leave the job site early. I wanted to do this podcasting thing. Like this seems really cool. I don't want to crawl through attics in 120 degree weather anymore. I don't want to do that. I mean, who does? Yeah. yeah. When when you're making $100 an hour, it's not terrible, right? But, yeah, but then it's right? like, I don't, I know the money's not the answer. And mm-hmm. once you know the money's not the answer, it's kind of hard to, it's really hard to go back. Mm-hmm. So it ended up getting to the point where I was six hours away from home. My alarm clock went off at like 5.15 in the morning. Uh, I sat up, I slid to the edge of the bed. I was lacing up my work boots. I'd done this a thousand times. This is just another day. But that day was a little bit different because it was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time and every single one was on a different station. One is saying you're stuck here forever. You've never made this money before. and You're never going to make it again. If you do leave, what will your friends think? If you do leave, what will your family think? And if you do leave, are you going to ride this podcast thing out to the sun? Is like, is that really what you think is going to happen? And in that moment, I felt that if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. Now, 
One of the things I talk about very heavily is the importance of the people around you. I have a, an amazing circle that I don't always even feel worthy of having. So I'm very, very grateful for that. I reached out to my mentor, who is now my business partner. I told him what I was going through. And he said in his wisdom, like he does, so much has changed for you over the last couple of years when it comes to your awareness, but your environments have remained the same. I think you mm -hmm. need to change your environments. So mm -hmm. three or four months later, I left my job. I became a very, very broke entrepreneur for the next two and a half years, some of the most brutal times in my life, but it's the best thing I've ever done. And it's definitely the most challenging thing I've ever done, but also the most rewarding. And here we are today through massive pain and, and overwhelm, but also learning so much about myself that I can't believe I know myself at the level I do now. That's amazing. I, I have one just from all that. I have about 25,000 questions. <laughs> one that I want to link to is you said you reached out to someone. Do you, you have an awareness of in that moment, what made you reach out to that person? In that moment so, of darkness, really scary, feeling alone, what were you hearing? Um, I think it's, I knew that he knew something I didn't know yet. Hmm. That's the, the best way to put it is it, that's one part of it. And one of my, one of the quotes I say all the time is the level of your relationship is directly correlated to the level of vulnerability in it. We hmm. had a very real, authentic, vulnerable relationship where I felt like I could actually share without being judged, without being shamed. And I knew I'd get good advice. And I always use this example. Imagine if I reached out to somebody and they had a very fixed mindset they didn't understand fulfillment and happiness and joy and mental health. And they said, Kev, nobody really likes their job. I mean, it's almost Friday, just get through the weekend and it'll all kind of work itself out. Mm -hmm. I'm very blessed that I reached out to him because who knows what advice I would have got otherwise. But yeah, I think it was the vulnerability of our friendship. And it was the fact that I believe this person has enough wisdom to actually um, add aligned value to where I want to go. You keep saying that word aligned. Mm. That's something, is that part of your normal vocabulary? Is that something that helps you yeah. to stay who you are? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where uh, all the times I've regretted things in the past, times where I'll leave an interaction feeling quote unquote dirty, it's when I'm not aligned with my core values, my core beliefs, and my core aspirations. Who do I want to be as a man? How I show up uh, in front of you both is very, very important to me, but it's more important that I stay in alignment with what I believe I should do. Right. And that's just, I think when we have regrets, it usually comes from one of two places. It's reflection from a higher awareness or it's reflection, understanding I was not in alignment with who I desire to be now and eventually. So yeah. five years ago, if you said alignment, I would have said, that must be, you must be talking about my car. Like maybe I need a new alignment. I didn't even know what that meant, but yes, I am, I am proud to say now it is in my vocabulary more than I expected for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that takes vulnerability too. We had a wonderful conversation with someone recently about um, their experience in the political field and how you have to be vulnerable in a place where it's scary to be vulnerable. Otherwise everything is going to become a transaction. Everything mm -hmm. is going to be strategic. And if you're thinking about your relationships with other people as strategy, are they really relationships mm -hmm. or are they just transactions? Mm. That's so, well put. Yeah. It's either a relationship is either a win-win, a win-lose, or, you know, a, a lose-win, I mean, or a lose-lose. That's how relationships work. And right. a business, that's how a business works. That's how everything works. You have to make mm -hmm. sure that you're at least giving as much as you're getting in any, in any relationship, intimate relationship, friendship, business relationship. So that's very well put. Mm -hmm. One of my questions I have for you is, um, as a male, I think for, for us being females, just naturally building friendships comes emotional, um, vulnerability and just, mm -hmm. we just tend to open up to each other a little bit more as females. Not everyone is like that, but as a male to have that, um, closeness and that, that commitment and that safety, I would say in your friend, what are some of the things that you were able to do to build that friendship? Did you, how did you meet him? Was it, was it through business? Was it a personal thing? Had you known him for years? Really? How did that come to the point where you felt safe enough to share something that deep? Yeah, we, uh, we went to middle school together and okay. we actually played spin the bottle in his basement with the popular girls, which <laughs> it's, it's great to talk about now. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, we went to high school together and we didn't get along in high school. 
I was a jock and he was very intelligent. And in all the honors classes, I was not in any of the honors classes. So I think that I was very insecure. He was very confident. If you are insecure, confidence just is arrogance. It seems arrogant. So we didn't get along. He ended up going to WPI, which is one of the top technical schools in the world. And I was just working odd jobs. Ran into him at a party when I was in, I think I was 24, 25. And we kind of hit it off again. Mm. He had me on his podcast shortly thereafter, which is mm. how I started to understand about podcasts. So that's okay. how we we reconnected. Yeah. The The interesting thing is, we both grew up in single parent households. So he was raised by his mom and his sister. We both grew up without dads. His father passed away in a car accident when he was two. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. And we both really, really, really want to be the best men we can. I mean, we were when we were very broke together, we were talking about who could have the best character. It wasn't who's going to make the most money. Like, who can be the better man? Like, let's fight about that. So I think it's it's a mix of core beliefs. We have very similar core beliefs. We have very, very similar core values of just honesty, integrity, and we have very, very aligned core aspirations of what we're trying to do in the world. Mm -hmm. Because of those things, we work really, really well together. Mm -hmm. And I think the part of it is there's no toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get into a measuring contest. Like that's not, that's not uh, inducive or um, representative of any growth. Now to your point, our listeners are actually women. And I never expected that, or I'll, I'll say most of our, most of our listeners are women. I never expected that. That was never the goal. I didn't design it that way. I think I've probably always been more vulnerable than your average tattooed bodybuilder. I think it's because I was raised by women. So I, I feel mm. safe. I feel safe that way. And mm. I also have a belief that, I mean, is somebody going to reach out and say, Hey, you're soft because you felt this way? Maybe, but nobody's reached out yet and given me crap. So I, I'm not really too worried about it at this point. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting phenomenon too, in general, about men and women and the fact that your listeners are mostly women, which is pretty amazing, which means I think women can be very picky about what they want to listen to and what they take their time with. So congratulations for Thank being you. able to, uh, to have such a great listener base. Um, but it's interesting that a lot of men, and you talk about toxic masculinity, Mandy and I both as therapists have experienced this, hmm. men and women and their trajectory and how they reach out for help is very, very, very different. And even just listening to a podcast that has resources somehow releases seven podcasts a week. When I ask you about that, but that's a later question. How do you have time? <laughs> but um, being able to say that you're reaching out, they're reaching out to your podcast so that they find something in it to help them. Whereas male listeners may listen to a podcast with an interview with a bodybuilder to talk about macronutrients or to talk about certain programming. It's just a different type of audience. So it's, it's interesting that that's how that turned out for you. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with the protector of the ego where I've, I've done so many calls with our listeners and I'm so grateful, but I've had listeners tell me things on the first time I've ever met them that they've never told anybody before. And mm -hmm. I think it's because they're very humble in the understanding that I trust you where Somebody asked me this recently. They said, why don't you have more male listeners? And I said, well, I don't think we're quote unquote successful enough for male listeners to lower their ego to learn from us. So like when I get a Mercedes and a mansion, things will start to change. But I think that's part of it is it's very hard to take advice when you have an ego. And I'm not saying all men do, but if I am not subconsciously positioned above you in terms of my success, why would you listen to me? It wouldn't make any sense. It would kind of be misdirection. So yeah, I think that's that's an interesting part of it is when you're run more by the ego, it may be the arrogant side of the ego, it's very hard to ask for help. But when you're somebody who understands, you know what, if I drop this wall, if I drop this protector, I can actually probably get help and make progress. That's a very important part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say it comes down to um, even with male, female, the differences, um, it's just like confidence levels. I mean, basically what you're saying, Kevin is talking about just being more confident in yourself and in your character and who you are and having that confidence, be able to drive you into your success mm. where other people may need to step on other people to get to where they want to, whether they're chasing money or power or fame, whatever it is, male, female, honestly can be the same in that regard. But, um, I just think it's interesting. I I've know a few people that were also raised by single parents, um, and just, or I should say single moms. And 
um, they have like some very similar situations to you as mm-hmm. far as being more in touch with their emotions. And honestly, as, as females, that can be a lot more um, attractive in like a relationship type way of like a male that's actually aware of their emotions um, mm-hmm. and have that emotional intelligence of, you know, what they're looking for in that person versus, you know, a lot, I think in the, in society these days, a lot of the, the, the still the most typical things we see in magazines are the best looking guys and the best um, bodies that they have and how much money they have, what kind of car do they drive. And it's like, in reality, most women aren't looking for that. <laughs> so I can understand how even women would want to listen to your podcast because they're looking at somebody that has an emotional intelligence level that is mature enough that they can listen and learn and grow from, as opposed to maybe a male that's just looking to compare um, and just really that. looking on the surface. So. I appreciate that that compliment very much. I mean, it genuinely means the world. It's. Do you know what I think happens? I think that when you get to know your audience to one of the quotes I say is the closer you get to somebody, the closer you get to the truth. My goal is when this podcast ends, nothing will change. I won't be any different. I'll be exactly the same and it'll be a very good interaction. Mm -hmm. I've talked to so many of our listeners behind the scenes that I've gotten to learn what it's, and I won't say what it's like to have a female experience because obviously everyone is unique where you live in the world, but I've seen how much they've been hurt. And that really has inspired me to number one, be a better man, but like to show up for our audience. I've heard so many, I've heard, heard so many horror stories of Mm -hmm. my boyfriend or this person, or this is my girlfriend. This is how I was treated. So for me, it's now more of a responsibility. And I've always kind of been a protector and somebody, somebody kind of called me on on a podcast recently. They said like, why is it your job to make sure you don't have negative guests on your show. And I said, cause it's my platform. That's why it's my mm-hmm. job. Like, of course it's my job. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, it's my job to take care of our listeners. I don't know. Is that weird? Maybe, but like, that's what, yeah. right. That's what I'm playing for. I didn't start yeah. this. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want. I want to help. And part of helping is making sure I do my own. I do my own research on people. I handle my own junk. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's something that we take very, very seriously. If it, you know, I'm sure it comes through. But mm-hmm. even to your point before, Chris, and that's why we do so many episodes. Mm-hmm. It's not that I want, I don't want to do seven episodes a week, but there's seven days. So I want to make sure I'm there every single day. <laughs> Which <laughs> is great. I behind. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy, but uh, you know, and again, we started with one like everybody else and we leveled up and this is my full-time job and I don't, I work seven days a week and I don't leave the studio very often. So the upside of that, it sounds cool. But there's a lot that comes with that that I do not recommend for 99.9% of humans. Mm-hmm. So please, mm-hmm. please do not feel bad if you're not doing it. And if you don't want to do it, don't feel bad either. So question about that then. What's an unexpected sacrifice that you've had to make to live this dream that you mm-hmm. are living right now? Something that when you started, you said two and a half years before you made any money, something mm-hmm. that when you started, you had no idea you were going to have to handle. Hmm. Uh, in a weird way, any freedom, really, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm my own boss and I have my own company, but I work now more than I ever have. Even now, it's like, yeah, we're successful and we make money. I did I did 245 podcast episodes in the last three months. So like, I've literally just parked my butt in this seat and gone, all right, here we go. Next, next, next. Seat? <laughs> not really. No, no. I was pretty broke, I think, when I bought this. So it's not the best one. I have like a pad in the back though. So yeah. it's okay. But I mean, yeah. I'm on a piano bench, so I feel you. My goodness. You got to keep that <laughs> posture up. That's the thing. Keep those shoulders back. It, I think that I didn't understand how much work it would actually be. So like mm. the sacrifices, I don't really... And I don't desire to have a social life, but I don't really, other than my wife and Alan, I talk to very few people mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that, but I don't think I realized I'd have to give up as much time as I did. Mm-hmm. But if you weren't so passionate about it, you wouldn't be doing it. Right. You would have decided not to lace up your boots that day yeah. or not to plug in whatever equipment you have over there and say, I'm going to hang up the headset. Yeah. We did an episode today on how aligned is your grind. The, the mm-hmm. fact that I'm able to do as many episodes as I am because I love it. If you said, if you both said, hey, paint us 245 pictures in three months, it's like, I am not interested. I, I'm not an artist. I, you can do that. I can't do that. But yeah, how aligned is your grind? It's very aligned for me. There's nowhere. It's 622 on a Friday. I'm very, very, very happy 
aligned and fulfilled to be here. I may have a pizza on the way for when we're done, but <laughs> this is what I love doing. This is my favorite thing to do. Mm, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's um, great. I want to dig into some some tough stuff, but I want to pause because I know I've been chatty Kathy over here. Mandy, do you have <laughs> anything on your mind right now? Because I feel like you keep going, oh. <laughs> it's okay. I know you're really excited to do this. <laughs> I would say, um, I don't know really where you were going to go, Kristen, and we can come back to like your questions. My biggest thing is really just to give you um, the platform, Kevin, to share what you do. Like, what do you do? You know, you have seven <laughs> podcasts a week. We, I really haven't researched, and I know Kristen and I purposefully don't do this. We like to just get to know our guests as we're talking to them um, and just have you share to us. So what is it your purpose? Like you work a full-time job and, it, you know, in the in the behind the scenes version, I'm sure there's a lot more to it, but in the front lines, it looks like you just sit and record a half an hour <laughs> podcast episode every day or an hour, you know? And so it's like, what do you do? What is your purpose? What are you trying to do um, through your career and just share that with, with others? Yeah. My purpose is to bring holistic self-improvement to the masses, uh, make it accessible and acceptable. That's really what we're doing is I don't, yeah, you can learn how to make more money. Yeah, you can learn how to have a more successful relationship, how to be healthier. But there's not a lot of people that are teaching you all of it at the level of, oh, we're going to help you shift your identity first. Here's five ways to make more money. Great. I don't, I have a money block. I have scarcity around money. That's different. That's different work that has to be done. So that's one of the things we're really, really focused on. But yeah, it's it's interesting. The podcast is like the top of the business and that's where I get seen the most. But behind the scenes, we have a website team that we work with companies and we we do their websites. We have a podcast production team. We have a social media team. Alan does, I think he's got like 35 coaching clients. So right. there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes of, we do a lot of coaching. So if I'm not podcasting, I'm coaching or speaking. But really, for the most part, me talking into this microphone is what I do the vast, like the vast majority of the time. Mm -hmm. If it's not that it's business meetings with the team or team meetings. But yeah, I mean, you kind of hit it on the, on the head, Mandy, with that. It's like that, that's just kind of what I do more often than not. Mm -hmm. But it, for us, it's like, I just think the more content we produce and the more we put ourselves out there and the more the compound effect takes off, like that's, that's really why we're doing as much as we are. Because it's it really is about impact. M the money's good and money's great, and that's that's awesome. Sure, Lifestyle's yeah. good, and and you need it to run a business. But the way everything is set up for us is if you are an early dream chaser and you don't have money, there's somewhere in our business for you. Maybe mm -hmm. it's not one on one coaching. That's fine. Like I don't want your money if you can't afford it. I'd rather you go listen to the podcast every day or join the Facebook group. So it's it's meant to bring in as many people as humanly possible and make sure they actually land where they should within our business. That's really why it's set up the way it is. No, that's enormous. And you have to make sure it's accessible to yep. so many different levels. And that's one of the most frustrating things personally for being a therapist. There are people that I simply cannot help because I can't give you free therapy because then I won't be able to turn my lights on. Yeah. But I also can't legally do certain things and make certain connections. And some people just don't have the resources and it has nothing to do with anything they've done, but they just can't access it, but they desperately need it. And yeah. so being able to make things accessible on every single platform is, that's really wonderful. Another wonderful thing you guys are doing. I appreciate it. We, we say, and I'll, I'll probably butcher it because it's late in the day and I've been going, but uh, self-improvement in your pocket every day from anywhere on the planet for free. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. That's what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. In your pocket. <laughs> yeah. mentor in your pocket there you go that's great oh doesn't it get hot in there no i'm sorry <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a large human so if anybody was going to fit into a pocket it would be me i could i could fit right in there i could live there <laughs> oh my goodness um so one of the things you said really early on um having to do kind of with your dad and meeting him in your mid-20s mandy you knew i was going to go here um <laughs> my episode this season that we have half of recorded is actually on identity based on how we find identity in ourselves, especially when we don't have the people in our lives that we're supposed to find identity with. A tiny bit of background on me, I'm adopted and I have the best possible adoption story because I know my birth family. I met them when I was 21. Um, they wanted to be a part of my life. I wanted to be a part of their life. It's the, the most ideal adoption story that you can have because it's 
amicable and we love each other and they're all coming to my wedding and there's all sorts of positive things. And I know that's not how it usually goes. And so I'm very grateful for that. But even, you know, starting when I was 21, when I met my mom and the whole side of the family, you backtrack and you had an identity crisis for 21 years saying, who am I? I have this wonderful adoptive family who I grew up with. I love them very much. They raised me wonderfully. They, everything was, was great. Um, but even so, knowing that there was part of me out there in the world that I didn't yet know, I had this whole identity vortex that happened in adolescence. And so I wanted to speak with you a little bit about that and your experience to whatever your comfort level is, um, not having a father figure. Maybe you didn't have a father figure in your life. I don't want to assume not having your dad in your life until a later date. And then kind of your process and figuring out how you are the wonderful man that you appear to be now. You know, we just met, but I'm getting good vibes. So how you were able to cultivate that and then present yourself as pretty much a fully formed human to someone who should have helped you get there. Mm, yeah, that's a that's a deep question. I love it. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's trust me. I, I'm all I am all for it. I don't think it's hard and I've asked therapists that we've had on, or psychotherapists, counselors, how do you know if your normal's normal? That's one of my favorite questions in the world. Like how how do you know if your normal is normal? I don't really know if I ever realized how different my life was until I reflected. Now, I I had some people in my life that tried to be positive male role models for me. And again, mm -hmm. in retrospect, it's like all of my friends' families kind of tried to like bring me in because I think mm -hmm. they knew like, oh, he doesn't have a dad. This could go any number of ways. Mm -hmm. But I never really found anybody I resonated with. I mean, to this day, I still struggle to find male role models because I don't know, and this will sound, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I don't know that there's many people that are as focused on their character as I am. And that's what I care about. I care about that. That's what I'm focused on. To the to the level of pain I'm willing to go through to get better, you know, a better character, I'm very committed to that. What I think really shifted for me is I got to the point eventually where I realized that if I allowed the relationship to continue the way it was, that would do me more damage than anything else. If somebody's holding up space in my heart and energy and it's in a negative energy, that's not doing me any good. So I think that what happened, it came at, at a very good time because I was actually focused on growth. So I was sitting on my recliner one day. I lived in New Hampshire, I was 27. And you know, I was already into growth. I was this self-awareness thing. I'm like, all right, I'm okay with that. Like, that, that's cool. So I was going through my Facebook messages I didn't know that there was a folder for people who you weren't friends with. If they message you, it goes to this folder. And I was probably looking at, I don't know, old conversations or whatever. And I saw a message and you can only see the first line. And it said, hey, Kev, I'm blank. I'm your father's girlfriend. And I remember I took my phone and I just threw it on the floor. And I was like, no, nope, mm -mm, not doing this today. I do not have the capacity to do this today. And then I picked it up mm. and I looked at it and it, it, it said, hey, Kev, I am your father's girlfriend. He wanted me to let you know that he's proud of you. He's been watching you on Facebook. And if you want the opportunity to meet, that's something he would like very much. And I remember I fell on the floor. I started crying because for most of my life, my identity was I don't have a dad. Mm -hmm. That was what it is. I'm Kevin. I don't have a dad to the point where there were times where I hoped he was dead. I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I ever met him. Didn't care. But it's very, it's a very painful awareness when you realize I always had an excuse that I didn't know who he was or where he was. Now I actually know where he is and I have a direct contact to him. So I ended up messaging one of my friends at the time and I told her, I said, my dad just messaged me and I don't know what to do. And she said, what do you think you're going to do? And I said, honestly, I think I have to meet him because I do believe it will break something free in me or fix something inside of me that I don't even know is broken. And she said, do you want me to come with you? And I said, no, no, I have to do this by myself. I have to be brave. I know it's going to be challenging, but I have to be brave. So I messaged them back and I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's meet halfway in the middle and we'll get lunch. And I'll never forget. I drove down to this little diner and it was like halfway between where we lived. And I got there and I went inside and then I had the realization of, I don't know what he looks like. Mm. So like, this is going to get super awkward because he must know what I look like because he's seen me on Facebook. I have no idea what this man looks like. I don't even know his first name. This is going to be weird. Very, very weird. I was sitting in the booth facing the window and I saw a man walk by and I was like, ah, that's him. Don't know how I knew, but I said, that's my dad. Okay. 
here we go. And he came in and he sat down and he was, there were some tears flowing on his end. I was pretty stoic. It was like, no, you're not going to see any emotion from me. I am strong. And <laughs> we, we had a really good conversation. I left that day understanding at a fairly deep level that I should have compassion and I should have empathy. And this is, again, this is going to sound a little harsh, but because my life turned out pretty, pretty damn good, all things considered, and his didn't. I mean, I am way more aware. I'm way more competent. I'm way further along in my growth journey than he probably will ever be. And that helped me to forgive and have empathy. Mm-hmm. We connected after that a couple times. And I made the decision that, look, I'm not really in the space where I can bring on a relationship that is supposed to be a certain way. I'm not really the, and again, I don't mean an ego with this. I'm not really the type of person you could just call like noon on a Thursday and I'll answer the phone. Like I'm working, I'm doing other things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he ever would have understood that I'm not ignoring you. I just don't have the pattern and the habit of answering you. And there's very few people I see on a daily, weekly, even monthly basis. So I ended up kind of just letting it go. And mm-hmm. I realized that that's not, it's not a relationship that I need. It's not one that I grew up with and it's not really one that I aspire to have. So Mm -hmm. I kind of just let it distance itself. And that's where we are today, at least. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, it's such an interesting thing because I had a, I had a similar interaction with, I was sitting at a table, saw a woman walk past the window and said, there she is. And it's just interesting. You know, yeah. You don't have to have ever met them. I never saw a pic. I saw a picture of my mom when she was in high school. Um, and that's the only picture I had of her. Obviously, 21 years later, it's very different. Mm-hmm. But that's um, – I think that's – it takes a lot of self-awareness that you obviously have um, to say, I appreciate knowing you, but I don't need mm-hmm. to continue this. And I think it speaks to something you said a couple of minutes ago about if we're not, if it's not a reciprocal relationship, we're just, we're really wasting each other's energy. We're, we're filling spaces in each other's hearts that could be filled with other more positive things than this relationship that just isn't working. Yeah. The truth is if I was going to, and again, I'm very open about this because I think if you're out there and you're dealing with this, it's valuable to hear the truth. I, I don't really need anything from the relationship. I don't know that it's really going to add anything to my life. If I was going to make dates and show up consistently, it wouldn't be for me. It would be more for that man. And that's just not the life I, you know, I want to do life the way I want to do life. That's, that's what I signed up for. I never made a commitment to, to please somebody else. So that's kind of the thought I had was I'm the kind of the type of person who I won't start something unless it's sustainable. And I know me starting a father son relationship, it's not sustainable. So I don't want to, hurt anybody worse than they have to get hurt. I just, Mm. yeah, for me, I'm, I made the decision and it's like, cool, now I'm onward. And who knows 10, 15, 20 years. I don't Mm. know what'll happen. Will I regret it? Maybe I don't think I will, but I, I think that, you know, that's kind of how it works. You don't think you'll regret it and then you do. So we'll see. But you always have the ability to reach back out again, or, you know, it's not like, you know, heaven forbid something tragic happens to either one of you, but at the moment you still have that ability to say, I could pick up the phone. I could change my mind. He yeah. could pick up the phone. He could change his mind. And that's yeah. something you can address in the future. Yeah, very true. Um, I keep noticing too that you keep saying, I don't want to sound egotistical. Has your character been touched <laughs> a lot? <laughs> it's a fear. I think uh, this is why. Five years ago before I grew, I don't think I would have liked myself very much. Mm. Because I'm, I'm not, I'm pretty confident. I'm definitely not as confident as people think. I'm just, I do this so often. So for me, it's like, I'm just having a conversation. I forget people are even going to watch. It just doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. (laughs) But I think that that's a fear. One of my, I have two fears. One, looking egotistical. Two, letting somebody down. Them having this perception of the way I'm going to be and then me showing up and then being like, ah, damn, I thought you were going to be better. And do you know why? The more the more we've gotten close to people who are supposed to be a certain type of way, the more we've been let down, honestly. I mean, mm. we, don't have, we don't have guests on our show anymore. That's one of the reasons is because a lot of people are one type of person in, in front of other people. And then behind the scenes, they're, they're completely different. And it's very, hard to, it's very hard to stay in alignment with your own character without breaking rapport with somebody else. If they're not within your character, that's a whole wonky thing, especially Mm -hmm. on the air. 
So we decided, yeah, we're just going to move, move away from that. But yeah, those are two of my biggest fears, honestly. Mm. And thank you for sharing those because that's of course a deep little part of you that <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate knowing. For the people, for the people, for the mission. <laughs> There's power in vulnerability. Yes, right? absolutely. Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a question for you. So, um, for Kristen and I, we are openly Christians on our show. We talk about just our, our life and in the way that we live, we both share our story. So I circling back a little bit to what you had said earlier, both of us have had pretty tragic, um, pasts with men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we share that in our episodes. Um, and you know, just that pattern of things. And I know for both of us, her and I, a lot of times on a quote, bad day or a day that's just a struggle for us to get through. Um, we turn a lot to prayer and to just our faith and just really encouraging each other. Um, both of us are music therapists, so we send each other songs and do things like that. Um, and so what would be something that you would suggest to somebody? Because you're not, I mean, you work really hard, but you're human. So you're not going to be the same every single day. So on one day that is really tough and a struggle for you, what's one thing that you would suggest to people that has helped you as far as character development, as far as just pushing through your day and really reaching those goals that your mind is really set to achieve? When I am really high or really low emotionally, I go back and watch old episodes. That really, really helps me to reflect on, you know, our first podcast studio was in Alan's his his sister's old bedroom at his mom's house and our second <laughs> studio was in the basement of the of the house looking back and remembering oh i remember what it was like to to literally have negative a thousand dollars in my bank account that mm. really helps me understand mm. contextually where everything actually is and i always tell people maybe you don't have the opportunity or the content to reflect record a video right now after right now during listening to this episode and talk to yourself about what you're going through what is something you're excited about what is something you're scared of what is a pleasure you're dealing with what is a pain you're dealing with and then check in on six months and see what's changed that that's been very very helpful for me because it makes me realize that everything is kind of momentary Mm -hmm. but also everything is forever at the same time so it helps me balance that i think Mm-hmm. I really like ha- like a personal video blog, hmm. like a video journal that you have for yourself. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. I love that idea. I also love how you said when you have the highs and lows, because I think sometimes we can get on those highs and we just ride them as long as we can. And then we hit the crash of the low and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm never, I don't even remember what it's like to be happy, you know? Yeah. And um, so I think it's, it really is important, like you're saying, to just have that balance in our lives of knowing that when we are on a high and we're doing, we have an adrenaline rush, we're excited about something, we're doing something really great to also just know that that is only momentary. Mm. Um, but it's something that is forever. Like you're saying, it's, a, you know, that moment is not, don't regret it. Don't miss out on it. Be in the present, enjoy it, but also understand that you're not going to stay there. Yeah. So having that balance, um, from what you're saying sounds like it's just really helpful. When you, when you stop doing what got you to the dance, you don't get to dance anymore. And that's like when the highs get high and you stop doing what it, what it got you there. And we've, we're guilty of that. We had a month where we got $25,000 in one shot transferred to our bank account. And we were like, Whoa, okay. And then we, (laughs) then we slowed down and we paid for it the next month for sure, Mm -hmm. for sure. And we learned our lesson, hopefully, and we'll find out, right? I think you, you don't necessarily learn your lesson. You become aware of the lesson and then you get to choose next time whether or not you want to make the same one. Hmm. (laughs) That's true. That's really good. I also had somebody tell me recently, um, they said to focus on how far you've come and not where you want to be. Mm. So Um, in those moments of lows, for me, it was an encouragement from this person to just really look at how far you have come. So like you're saying, you know, looking back on past episodes, look at where you were two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, where were you? And look at how far you have come and where you are now. That can also kind of help us on those low days too. I've, I've found that. And, you know, even like rereading journal entries and maybe listening to this, this voice journal that you're kind of talking about, which I love that idea too. Um, so yeah, that's great. I love that. (laughs) if you're gonna, if you're gonna, um, we talk about ownership a lot. If you're going to own your losses, you better own your wins. 
You better mm-hmm. own your wins if you're going to own your losses. And I find that usually, and I'm sure you two have probably experienced this or, or seen this, people are usually pretty good at owning their losses, not necessarily their wins. And that's the way to lift yourself up is to actually give yourself credit for the hard work or the valuable work you're doing in the world. Even when it feels like you're losing, you got to look at the wins. You have to, you have to, because most of us are very quick to look at the losses, say, oh, I suck. This wasn't good. I'm, I'm not this. I'm not this. Well, there's got to be something positive in there you can find. So let me ask you a tiny piece of advice on that, because I know a couple of people who are having a bunch of wins, but also have some huge losses in their life. And it has to do with the people around them and judgment of the people around them saying that they don't deserve this happiness and they don't deserve these wins. How do you just shed that? Ooh, the simplest answer is, I don't know if you do. I don't know if you can just shed it. I think it's a deeper understanding that you deserve what you work for. If if that person worked really, really, really hard for the fulfillment and the love and the joy and the success that they're having, you're always going to get people who don't think you deserve it mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. probably subconsciously don't think they deserve it. So how dare you have what I can't have yet? I, I used to, and I'm ashamed to say this, I used to be the type of person that would say, yeah, it must be nice. It must be nice to have that car. It must be nice to have that house. I was that because subconsciously and consciously, I didn't believe I could get it. How dare you live a life that I want and I do not know how to achieve yet? Yeah, yeah. a lot of it, I had, so I, I had somebody reach out to me recently and I don't get a lot of hate on my Instagram, which I'm very grateful for, all things considered. <laughs> very little, very little. But somebody reached out and I had a, a reel that got some good views and this person basically said like, cut it out with the Tony Robbins stuff, get your life together and be productive. Like, what are you doing on here? And my initial reaction is like, let's just fight then. Like, why don't we just do that? We could just meet up and we can fight. And that's that's how we can solve it. But I, then I try to, as quickly as I can, go to the empathy of, you took three minutes to write a giant message to somebody on Instagram that you've never met and you sent it because that's what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. I, I hope everything goes well. I understand you're in a, you're in a phase and I hope some positivity comes your way. That's the goal I want to get to. But usually I do go like, let's put them up then. Let's do that first. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do any, are you um, on the Enneagram at all? Like, do you know? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I am. I'm feeling a really heavy three too. Cause there's a lot of empathy, but there's also a lot of motivation. (laughs) So go ahead and, and. It's a self-diagnosis. Google three (laughs) wing. Let me know if you feel like it matches. Three, Three, two? Three wing two. Okay. I'll yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Is very entrepreneurial spirit, very motivated, very, very success driven. But the wing two has a hugely empathetic side. So Mandy's a one wing two. I'm a two wing one or three, depending on the scenario. So like <laughs> depends the, on the day mm-hmm. side of the two, I'm feeling with your intense compassion and your empathy and your ability to connect with other people. So you're not just goals, those check boxes you talked about earlier with, well, I have the mansion, I have the car, I have the six figure salary, mm-hmm. but you also have the heart. So yeah, three, I think doing too. I appreciate it. I think that's part of my purpose. I like one, one of the things I say to myself, my, my kind of my mission purpose is to be the most extraordinary version of myself, but to never forget what it was like not to be. I don't mm-hmm. want to lose sight of that. It's very important to me that I don't lose sight of that. I went to Lowe's the other morning and there's this this older gentleman that works there and him and I have like a, an interesting relationship. It seems like we've known each other for a long time, but I've seen him twice. And <laughs> when I, when I left, I was like, Hey, uh, all the love. I hope you have a wonderful day. And when I was walking out, I was like, I wonder how weird that was for him to have somebody say all the love. Well, I don't, I doubt he hears that very often, but it was like, that's what I'm supposed to do though. Even yeah. if it's weird and I get a weird reaction, like that's who I'm supposed to be. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that I feel that purpose at, at the deepest level for me is to leave every interaction better than, than I found it. If, mm-hmm. if after I sign off, you both have a, a good conversation about like, oh, wow, that was a great episode. Awesome. Great. Now, can you take that too far and you can overly care about what people think? Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to get there, but you know, that definitely could be a potential kryptonite in the future for sure. Mm-hmm. It's tricky because I think being able to be aware of every single interaction is so hard 
Like, for example, if I'm walking my dog and he's being a maniac and I'm yelling at him, some neighbor might think that I'm some crazy bag lady who is just <laughs> has a high temper. But really, I love him so much and he's just nuts sometimes. But like looking at each interaction, we might not even be aware of so many interactions that other people have with us. Yeah especially someone as public as you are. And people might be looking like that person who felt a need to talk to you in that negative way. And I'm sorry that happened. That's really unfortunate. Um, and I'm like, is it weird to say I'm proud of you for reacting? No. React- no. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate um, it. That's something that a lot of people would, you know, keyboard warriors shoot something back. And then it's just like, oh, we're perpetuating yeah. this whole mm-hmm. culture of negative everything. Um, but I, I know going back into like, let's talk about the fact that your business mentor and someone who gave you really great advice in a hard time knew you in middle school. I don't want to talk to anybody who knew me in middle school because <laughs> it was not a pretty sight. And we've done <laughs> so much since then and being able to say, am I in control of every single interaction that anyone's ever had with me? No. And that's really frustrating because there were some negative ones. Of course of the dog. I'm not sure if you can hear that right now, but um, we're in control of the reactions from here on forward. And so it's day one of being self-aware and being aligned, as you're saying. At least influence. You might not be able to control every interaction, but maybe you can influence. Maybe that's a a good reframe is you cannot really change somebody's perception on you, but you can't influence them to question the way they look at themselves and you. So yeah, to your point, that's what low key, that's one of my fears. It's like somebody will hear this episode and they're going to be like, Oh my God, what a, what a faker, what, you know, whatever it is. I'm terrified of that. I'm terrified of that. And I do a lot of shows, so it will happen statistically. It's just how many times is it going to happen? And that's when you have to double down on the, the why of, well, you know, if, I, I said this at the beginning, for every kiss on the cheek I get on one side, I'll get a punch in the face. So it's like, that's kind of what I signed up for in a way, in a way. I'm not, way that's, that's just really the reality of life. Right. I mean, we're all humans. We're all made differently. Yeah. We're all made in very individually and we're not all going to agree. And yeah. so I think having that level of compassion for a comment like that to you, it's not really a reflection of your character. It's a reflection of their character yeah. and that they felt the need to type something out to you and spend time to do that. I always wonder that I'm like you could be doing something productive that's producing something for you in your life, but instead you're trying to put somebody down. Yeah. How is that really being helpful in society? Mm. So I think it's sad too, you know, it, For you to even think to the Lowe's guy, man, I wonder how many times he's heard something like that. You know, I went to a store today and the salesperson I was talking to, they said, wow, you're really great to talk to. I'm like, that's really sad that this Mm -hmm. is the world that we live in. And so I think we need more people like you that are encouraging and coaching people up to build that character, to really be confident in who we are in ourselves, and to just be able to be compassionate and be empathetic towards people. We don't know the moment that we're um, meeting men in. And, you know, we have a real, I think one of our reels says something about like, don't judge um, a person by the chapter you're walking in on in their life. And we don't know, you know, we know a little bit about you right now, but we're not going to be here and, and judge you as who you are and who you're appearing to be. And it's like, we just are going to believe that you're being the best version of yourself talking to us right now. And that's what we want from you, just as we're going to do the same thing for ourselves and just try to be better for the world and be better for others. And it sounds so cheesy and so cliche, but it really is true. It's like people just want kindness, just be nice to people. And I say that all the time, Mandy, you know that I'm like, can't just people just be nice. I know. I know. I worked in a, I worked in, I worked in, ass. Yeah, right. Yeah. I worked in a, a music store at one point and we turned the store from like red numbers to black real quick version of the story and they were like how'd you do that and we're like we were just nice to people mm-hmm. that's literally all it was it yeah. was just be kind we were nice we were helpful we got them what they needed whether it was something for 99 cents or whether they were spending eight thousand dollars with us it didn't matter it was the same a person as a person and mm-hmm. they deserve to be treated with respect and dignity so. it goes back to the win-win i had a client who she was she said hey i'm, I'm going into sales like i'm gonna sell cars do you have any advice i said uh yeah just be yourself and then help the person, like actually give them what they want. You're going to be right. fine. And I think yeah. she made $100,000 her first year. Now, Absolutely. she's she's a very beautiful young lady who's very well-spoken. That helps. But it's one of those things of uh, you don't need to learn a sales script. Just help people. If you help mm-hmm. people, you'll probably be better off in life, all things, you know, yeah. in, in all areas of life, I would say, yeah. It's the heart behind it, not so much what's ha- actually happening. Yeah. It's really just where is your heart coming from? Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 
So we always ask our um, listeners, we have a playlist. It's the most eclectic mess of a playlist you've ever seen in your life. It's on Spotify. Um, we, it's called the Rocky Road Playlist. But because of our background in music and our love for music and psychology, um, we like to ask, is there a song that is either currently really speaking to you or that got you through a really difficult point in your life or one that always pumps you up and just talk to us a little bit about that so we can add that to the playlist. So then when people look at the playlist, listen to your episode, if they don't know the song, they can go listen to it and then think of you while they do so. And it's just nice, beautiful thing that music does to bring us all together. <laughs> I would say, and I thought about it, I saw this question and I was like, oh, interesting. What am I going to go with? I would probably go with a Big Sean song. It's called Light. Big Sean is one of my favorite rappers because he is very, very deep. And he is very philosophical. And that's a that's a pretty philosophical song. So I would say Light by the one and only Big Sean. Wonderful. We'll add it today and then people will oh, have great. Yeah, yeah, we have everything from a boys choir to the boys <laughs> to Sarah Bareilles to musicals, Jimmy Buffett. Now we have rappers on there and it's great. It's it's so fun. That's it's where fun. I had to go. I, I like rapping. I'm a rapper, quote unquote, on the side. Like that's something I do for fun. So for me- right. Somebody who can rap, but also be very introspective and hyper-conscious, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. I'm all in. I'm all in. Would it be too forward to have you put like a little beat together and, you know, kind of rap <laughs> I mean, I can. I don't know that it would go well. <laughs> to, to wrap things up here? <laughs> I have a little, I'll, I can do a little, like, I'll just do a spoken version. This is some of the lyrics. Just think about this. And Perfect. Okay, great. A little, a little dark. Uh, I'm the type of dude to ask Jack the Ripper to snap a picture twice because the first didn't suffice. I think my camera's glitching. Make no mistake, this was the plan. It was envisioned. Always knew I'd make it here. A broken man, a dozen misses. Often imitated, yet I'm never duplicated, leaving every single one of these haters' necks supinated while you losers fake it. Blow worse than a tuba player. I'll store every single one of your insults to use them later. So that's that's a little one of them. Perfect. So much in that. <laughs> I'm gonna need to listen to that one probably four or five. I try times. to get it to to like mean something. You know, that's the goal. That's, that's the goal. great. I think rap is is can be a very misunderstood yeah. art form. There, like if you slow it down and actually go into all of the references, it's really amazing how much thought goes into. Um, not all, but yeah, like I was going to say, I don't know. I think it might be starting to shift where it's just kind of like, just kind of make some noises on this beat and we'll like change the pitch and you're off to the races. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's awesome. I'll have to listen to that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for your time and just, just all your words and, and wisdom that you're sharing with us and, and where, where you've gone. We love, um, following you now on social media and just kind of seeing where you're going. So do you want to share with everybody how they can find you and how they can connect with you and contact you for more information about your program, just to find your podcast, to share with us all of that? Yeah. So in the, in the nature of the business, I always just say, just listen to the podcast. It is called Next Level University, seven episodes a week in your pocket, any day, uh, every day from anywhere on the planet, completely for free. You can find us on all the podcast platforms and we're also on YouTube. And then if you have any questions or comments or anything, you can just send me a DM. My handle is at neverquitkid on Instagram. Perfect. That's awesome. We will definitely share the information in our show notes with this episode as well. Um, and we just thank you for your time. We thank you for just joining us here. Any last words from you, Kristen? No, I really appreciate. Um, I feel like I know you a little bit better, which is the whole point of what we're doing here. Um, so thank you so much for, for being here and spending time with us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the deep questions. And uh, I felt very safe here and I appreciate that. So you're, oh, you're, that's you're, both, you're both wonderful. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> you really welcome. are great. Very, very grateful. So, All right. We'll talk to y'all later.